0: Well, after all that BS, I don't know what we got to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you want your phone back or is this all no, no, for this other? No. That's the other? Thing. okay. I'll leave it alone. Um, wow. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Bob Flynn. I'm a grateful alcoholic. Yes, uh, uh, I am an onerous cuss. Uh, I, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life. And when I first got to AA, I got here when I was 36 years old. I'll be 80. I'm a little over, almost 82. And um, when uh, I started drinking, like I said, when I was 36, and I tell you, I never stopped previously that. Here I am already screwed up. Can't keep word straight. So you're going to have fun in trying to follow this horse. <laughs> anyway. Drinking, I thought was fun. But it wasn't. When the reality hit me, several years, I guess in my late 20s, when the reality hit me, and I started collecting drunk driving charges um, I realized that I was not having fun anymore but I had no, I, no qualm about quitting. I had, no, I had no idea about how to quit and um, so when I got my last DWI I was forced to Alcoholics Anonymous through the courts and uh, so they, uh, they were very friendly toward me they said, you will go to Alcoholics Anonymous or you'll go straight to jail. I said, okay, I will go to Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) And uh, actually, I I was very fortunate. I I found a home group that was very loving and very caring. And it was only a a few, about a half a mile from my house. But I lived in this housing development that I swear somebody took a handful of spaghetti and threw it down on a piece of paper and that's how all the streets went and it took me a month to find my way through the group of homes to where I wanted to go to the meeting otherwise I had to drive a mile around I have to go away to get to it so I finally found my way to the meeting it was feeling more comfortable going to the means I drank a quarter booze a day or more. I bought more on the holidays. I bought booze with a case. I bought two cases of each of everything at Christmas time for all the people who were not coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had to make sure there was enough there, you realize. And uh, I um I didn't get nervous till right now. Screw this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway between this and where all of a sudden it's going to be opened up, uh, I um, I started actually drinking when I was 18. I didn't drink a lot, but I I enjoyed it, and uh, I, I drank all every time I had a chance, which wasn't that often at 18, but. I had an idea that said I was 24 and I did look older for mu- than I actually was and uh, I never got carded, thank God. And so I would go to the bars and drink beer, which I didn't really like beer, but it was alcohol. Of course, back then I didn't really think about alcohol as alcohol. I didn't really think of what it was doing to me yet. All I knew is I got, I got feeling wonderful and then feeling a little less wonderful than if I got home on time or not on time but if I got home without killing myself if I was feeling all right you know. The next day of course I was sick as a dog but we've all gone through those things. Um, I um, started drinking hard liquor of course when I was 21 and I started going out to the bars more. I'm a gay man, so I went to the gay bars and to meet people, and, and I uh, went uh, back and forth and finally found one place I settled on and met somebody and got in a relationship, and that went fine until my father found out about it. And he was a typical, typical God-loving Irishman who you did not veer from the norm. He had a problem. He had a gay son and he didn't know what to do with it. And finally, my stepmother, I think, told him to buy his own goddamn business, (laughs) you know, and and just easy does it, which when my father, uh, before my father passed, we we developed a wonderful relationship. And I'm very grateful for that. My mother committed suicide when I was 18. And um, it was really, in fact the, the night she did it she almost killed me that day with a you know those old sickles we used to have to chop the weeds. She had one. My brother had called me and says, "Get out to the house as soon as you can because your mother's gone nuts and your grandmother's here alone and so I got out there and I told my grandmother to shove her dress to go in the room and shove her dresser up against the door so mom couldn't get in. Well, when I got back to the house and making the phone call, she would already ripped out all the phones and everything. She's very good at doing stuff like that, and so uh, she started swinging at me, and I had to deck my own mother to get. She almost got my head with that thing, and and uh, it was uh, it was it was not fun. Uh, when my mother, as we would say, was not having an upset. She was the most wonderful person you ever wanted me. Good God, could she cook. Oh, best fried chicken I ever had in my life. <laughs> I still miss it. But, you know, life is life. And she was a, she was a terribly, you know, she was a paranoid schizophrenic prescription, drug addict, and alcoholic. So she had a few problems. And back then, that was 19... 19- Fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty. 59, 60. Did, they didn't have the drugs back then that we have today, or the medications, I should say. I don't know how you say it, but they, we didn't have the medications then that we have today to take care of each other. And uh, the only place that she had to go was the state hospital. And the last time that happened, she was only about five foot two. Uh, she was a little overweight, but. When when a person is in that mental state of mind, they're strong as an ox. And I had to lay on, the, get on the sofa, put my arms around her and put my legs around her, to hold her down so the doctor could give her an injection to calm her down enough so we could get her in the ambulance to go to the hospital. And that was just a bunch of stuff that I grew up with. and. Um, Forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. And I found forgiveness here in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I never uh, thought about it before I got here. I tell you, this, this, this program, for you two new people, please, please, I get on my hands and knees and beg you to give this a way of this way of living a chance, these steps—I'm sorry, my meaning—they're over here, over here. Uh, these steps and traditions are a way of living that are absolutely fantastic. And you won't like them all. You won't want to do them all. But tough shit. If you want to get sober, you're going to. I guess I shouldn't swear some of this. Shit. I'm sorry. I'm going to anyways. The way it is. <laughs> Uh, but they're, they're a way of living that gives us guidelines that we don't, you know, when I was drinking everything was a major problem, for stub my toe it was a major problem, for wreck my car it was a major problem, everything was a major problem. And today things aren't major problems anymore in, in case they actually are one. but I. Um, Like I said, I drank a lot, and and when I finally got sober, I got my third DWI and got here, and I could sit here or not and tell you about my Drunkolog, but what the hell is that going to do with us all? Everybody's heard of Drunkolog. What I need to, for myself, I have to talk about sobriety, because uh, how many people do we have here under a year of sobriety? Oh, wow, great. That's a lot. Um, It's um, living with the with the the twelve steps and traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a new a new life. Before, you know, when I was drinking, that was all that mattered. Today. Everything means something to me, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but it has, it has a meaning. And uh, when I, when I lived these steps, and when I finally admitted I was powerless over alcohol, my life would become unmanageable. Hell, I knew my life was unmanageable. I just didn't like the idea of being powerless over alcohol. I loved alcohol. I love. I can say. as I. I've been here on the eighteenth this month. If I live, which I hope I do, I'll be forty-five years sober. But as I sit here right now, I can taste gin. I can taste vodka. I can taste bourbon. And I can taste brandy. Literally, and I have not had a drink in almost forty-five years. That was a lot of booze I took in. To stick around, and it's mental. The mental, uh, men, the mental disability that alcohol did to me was incredible. Um, I ruined relationships. Uh, like I talked about earlier, I lied through my teeth. I, you know, I cheated. I was not <laughs> faithful. I, it, it was horrible, and and. Uh, I, I, I was in one relationship for seven years and, and of course that broke up because of my drinking and my lying. And, and so I, I get to live today without lying. I get to live today without cheating on people. I get to live today to be honest and, and let people know exactly how I feel. Well, wait a minute, I shouldn't say that because sometimes people don't want to know exactly how I feel. Because <laughs> I, I tell you, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit hard-nosed about this program. You I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to get sober, get the fuck out of the room. Frank, that's, that's the way I feel about it. If you want to come in here and sit in here and waste our time, I don't have time for you. But if you want to come in here and, you, and, you, you, if you just have one iota of a of an inch or so to get, want to get sober, I'll be on my knees with you. I'll be in there with you. I'll work with you. I'll, I'll love you unconditionally. And I never knew what unconditional love was until I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. And after I got here, I realized there was only one person in my life that knew what unconditional love was, and that was my oldest brother. And he he was the only man that knew what it was that I, that I was aware of. Um, so when I got sober, I went, it was at the Pleasant Hill meeting room. And every, I, I, I had to get up at five in the morning cause I had to be in the office by 6.30 or quarter, seven. And uh, cause I took a uh, two hour lunch cause I went to the gym. Obviously I don't do that anymore, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I did then. And uh, I, uh, I just, had to get up early and, and, and we'd go to the meeting and the meetings in, in Pleasant Hill, where I got sober in California, were 8.30 to 10. you give an hour and a half meeting to somebody, you tell you what an hour and a half meeting here in Texas, they they almost have a stroke. <laughs> what do you mean an hour and a half meeting, you know? And <laughs> our meetings were an hour and a half. And then we went to Carol's Restaurant afterwards for coffee and, and food and whatnot. And that was the meeting. That was the meeting where I heard all the stories and I heard all the good things that happened, what we did to stay sober, how this person got out of something, and how we, how we learned to live with the steps and traditions on a one-on-one basis. And you could call people any time of the day or night. This, I couldn't believe it. I, I could call somebody at two in the morning if I needed to talk to them. And so I, I got here And I got sober, and uh, I had a car that, I had a 1971 Chevelle estate wagon because I used to breed and raise Great Danes, and I couldn't haul them around in a sedan. That poor car. It was, (laughs) even the luggage rack was turned up on it. You know, it was was so beat up, but it ran. It ran. It it was a good thing I, I, I lived close to Sears and Robux Auto Repair. They were only about two blocks from my house. <laughs> that car was over there more than home. But uh, I, uh, I started going to Pleasant Hill meetings and uh, I, I got a sponsor there. It's, it's, I, they told me to find somebody you relate to. Does, does everybody know what a sponsor is? <laughs> I mean, some, some of us don't. Some of us really don't know. I know I didn't know when I first got here. Anyway, so I I picked Keith to be my sponsor, and he was a really nice, nice guy until I didn't agree with him. (laughs) And something happened. He sort of turned, and he says, you'll either do it this way or you'll get another sponsor, and I'll stay with you until you get another sponsor. I don't want another sponsor. Well, then do it this way. And he, he, was really, he was really firm about it, and thank God he was, because that's the only way I was going to hear it. It was the only way I was going to listen. And, and uh, so he would tell me to do things, and I would do it. And can you believe this? He didn't even know me three months, and my car, would, again, was in the shop. He lent me a car to use. He didn't know me from, the, you know what? He knew I owned a house and where I actually lived, but that's about it and through the meetings. And that man lent me a vehicle to use while my cars in shop. I'll never forget that. He, uh, he sat with me and we would talk and we'd laugh and we'd cry and, and, and uh, I'd talk to him about work and he says, I don't want to hear about work, I want to hear about your sobriety. I'm so grateful that he was firm about that. When there were certain things that actually did need to be discussed, he would talk about it. But I, I, um, he's, uh, I don't know where he is now. I don't even know if he's still alive. I lost contact with him. And I'm, I'm really sad about that. But that's been over 25 years since I've heard from him. But, uh, I'm drawing one of those blanks. So if you guys want to go to sleep for a few minutes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fond. I'm not fond of doing this. Do you, have you gotten that? Have you gotten that? Just <laughs> <laughs> great, uh, you know, my life changed so much when I started getting sober. The mere fact that I wasn't drinking anymore, and I figured in nineteen in 1978 when I quit drinking. I gave myself a four hundred and eighty-five dollar salary increase from not buying booze from the bars and the, and the liquor stores, and uh, I guess that'd be about a grand today or more. But uh, life is—you know—the fact that I can, I can, I can live these steps. The fact that I can, I can talk to anybody in this room about certain things. Um, what freedom have I got? It's such freedom, it's such energy not to, to know I'm going to die. Because I thought I was going to die when I first got here. I had no idea that I could live without alcohol. And, and, and first of all, I was so stupid I didn't know alcohol was killing me. And it was. In fact, uh, I have uh, developed a very serious heart condition because of my drinking. Alcohol is one of the biggest destroyers of the human body, that there is. You know, it's almost destroyed my heart, and I had open heart surgery two years ago. I've had I had 16 stints in my heart, so I couldn't put any more in. The doctor says, "Well, I've got to do this. Uh, I've got to do this uh, open heart surgery to get you fixed." And I said, "Well." What if I don't want it? Well, he says, I know what did I say? Well, never mind. it Doesn't matter. I can't remember. <laughs> I thought it was cute, but I guess it wasn't. Anyway, he uh, he uh, he really did a marvelous job, and and I, I tell you, I I I recovered from that surgery in, in seven days and eight days I was out of the hospital, and at home, and at my niece's house, and then my nephew came and stayed with me. For several days, but I recovered from that so unbelievably well. And if I had been drinking and had that surgery, I me, mean, I probably would not have made it. Probably would not have made it. But I, I, got to survive that. But in between there, I can't tell you how many times I was in the, the hospital and whatnot, and and. But what I what I, what I, call, what I recall a lot of is that having sponsees, working with them, seeing them work with sponsees all around. The growth of a human being, when we get sober, your growth is going to be immense. You don't have to be 20 years old or 80 years old to get here. You can get here anytime you want. My home group waited a guy that was 70 years old, and uh, I said, good God, how can he be 70 years old and want to get sober? I, I'd tell him to screw off, I wouldn't, you know? But uh, he, he got sober, and he was a wonderful asset to the group. Um, I am trying to think of a bunch of stuff to share about my sobriety, and, and what I know today is that I would be, I have not said this, but I'll say it again, I'd be dead if it wasn't for this program, and I know that, and I know a lot of us would be dead in this room. We wouldn't be here. This young man, what are you, 19, 20? You
1: got
0: it, 19. 19. God, 19 years old and sitting in a room, Malcolm house on this. God bless you. I hope the hell you stick around. I, 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 I really do, and, and and like I said, I'll be I'll be 82 in February, and I'm gonna be mean old goat and stick around for a while longer <laughs> ag- just to just agitate the shit out of people. But, <laughs> you know, if I don't do that, they don't know I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I usually uh, the chair next to this young man is the seat. I always I always sit in that one spot every time I come to mean to Boulder. I've been coming here for, well, I moved back here, what, in 19, uh, no, 2006. So I've been coming back here since 2006. And I always sit in that same spot. I can watch the whole room. So if you're doing something I don't think you should be doing, I can sit there and stare at you. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't do a bit of good. (laughs) (laughs) Recovery is. It's so freaking wonderful. I know for a fact that I would not be sitting in this chair tonight if I had continued drinking. And I look around the room and I see the different ages that are here. And it is so rewarding to have you here. And, and the fact that uh, we can come here every day we want. I don't know, how many meetings are there? They're here now, the morning, the 10 o'clock, the, I don't know, how many a day? Five, Five 20, 75 meetings a week, something like that, well, however, whatever. And a lot of other meetings have the same amount of meetings, meeting places have the same amount of meetings. There is no freaking excuse not to get to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. As you can tell, I don't care, huh? You know, I, I just, it is so wonderful that we have a spot to come to. Um, I, uh, I've, like I say, I've been in and hospital and I've, uh, I've, uh, what time is it, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> When I lived in California, I always gave a, a a Christmas party every year, and it was on Friday night. And some friends of, friends of mine gave theirs on Saturday afternoon. And everybody came to my house on Friday night after the uh, after the eight o'clock meeting, so they'd show up at nine fifteen and people'd be gone by two or three in the morning, something like that. I, I could have cared less; they stayed all night long. But, you know, we had so much fun. There'd be a ton of food on the table. I'd tell people not to bring stuff, but you know how that is. People bring stuff anyway. And we would just laugh and and joke and and have so much fun and they'd feed my dog and I'd get so pissed. (laughs) (laughs) But he was a Jack Russell and and the little bastard would go up and he'd, Getting would sit up like this, in front of and sir, you're not going to feed something that's doing that to you, are you? You know, you know, he's so cute and the little devil, he'd do that to everybody. He knew, he knew I was doing it, you know. And but I got him good one night. <coughs> Some of you may not like this, but I don't care. Uh, he uh, he always slept between the top sheet and the comforter, and uh, he was in there one night, and I passed gas. <laughs> <laughs> That dog came out from under those, those sheets, and his eyes were this big. And he didn't come. He didn't come back for a good couple of hours. I wouldn't have either if I'd been him. I, I, you know, I, I used to breed and show Great Danes, and I had tons of fun with them too. But they're a very expensive breed to to take care of and handle. And like with my my health went downhill, and I figured that when I when I moved from, moved from San Francisco to Sacramento I uh, I wouldn't be able to handle a great dane. Well what do I do? I go buy a purebred jack russell. And they are perpetual motion. They never stop. They go all the time. And you know, I would watch him in the backyard, and he'd run in my planting area and I and I'd try to put blocks of wood up or something or bricks and so it, it changes, right. he'd hop over him, just go around him, keep on going, didn't give him, he didn't make anything, he didn't care at all. That dog was so wonderful. He, he was fantastic, he was more fun than I can tell you. But you know, today I, I, can, love a, I can love a dog and I can love human beings and, and, and I can, what is so wonderful, because of these steps and these traditions, I can, I can tell people the truth without being mean. You know, sometimes we do have to be a little more firm about it, but all I know is that uh, if I do what these steps tell me to do, you know, I I can live a good life in it. Everybody gets petrified in four, uh, four or five, don't worry about four and five, you know. Nobody is ever going to do a perfect four and five, I thought oh, I, all these, I got all hit 16 pages written out by spots. I'm not reading that shit. Go rewrite it He wasn't about to read all that So I did rewrite it and cut out a bunch of garbage him back to him and we sat down and we went over to him. I was not gonna admit to him that I was gay I thought he would uh, not he'd run me out of town or something and I was sitting we were sitting there in his den we're going over this stuff, and he says, is there anything else I you need to tell me? And my throat locked up. And I knew if I didn't share that, that uh, something bad was going to happen. And I knew he would never trust me, and I needed somebody to trust me, so I did. And he gave me the unconditional love that I spoke about earlier. He and his family, they were just wonderful people and, you know, I find it real difficult sometimes when I know some people, and I hope you don't mind me talking about this but if you do, it's too bad. Uh, <laughs> um, gay people sometimes have a harder time when they come to the rooms because they're not sure how they're going to be accepted. And I found out for myself, just for, for being truthful, and being honest, you're gonna get along fine. Frankly, this is the end time nobody gives a shit. At least that's what I've found out. And um, it's uh, it's uh, four and five. You know, we have to be honest. And what I said about doing a complete four and fifth step, you're never gonna do it. But the most wonderful thing about it is, you can always have it written down and go back and do it later. You can always do a four and five. you can do it. I've done a four-and-fifth-step f- on an item and I've been 20 years sober. So, you know, it's, we just don't remember everything. It's impossible to, you know. Unless you're 19 years old, you might be able to... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm harassing you. I'm not sorry you <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but life is... I, you know, I, I, just, I just can't say how much sobriety is has improved my life. You know, My, my I've lost most of my, both of my older brothers. I'm the youngest of the three of us. And my, uh, my, I don't know how many of you know Barry, he's my nephew, we lost his father a few years ago. And that was really hard, really hard. That left me the last one in the group. And nobody seems to want to acknowledge that I'm the last one, that I'm the, the Top of the line or whatever, bottom of the line, and they're not paying me that attention. <laughs> <laughs> you know who cares? Six and seven are steps that I didn't want anything to do with, but I had to do that. <coughs> and what I found out with all the steps for me is just just get right down and get honest. Because if you're not honest with this, this, these steps, you're not going to get anywhere in life. At least not in Alcoholics Anonymous. You may go out there and lie your ass off and think you're doing fine, and all that, but you're not. And guess what? I haven't done in over forty-five years. I haven't written a hot check. Back when I got sober, you could be, you could sometimes beat checks to the bank, but you can't do that anymore. Um, my life is, as I said, is, is is great, and and really, all I can say is that give yourself a chance. If you're a man, get a man sponsor. If you're a female, get a female sponsor. Obvious reasons, and uh, it's real easy. To it's really easy to do that if you get out of your own way. That ego of mine got me in more trouble than I care to even share about. But it's also helped me get out of trouble. Um, actually what I'd like to do at the moment is if anybody has any questions or anything about what I've said, please raise your hand, I'll call on you. I mean it's I just believe in doing that if you're a newcomer and you don't know something and you have a question there's no question too small to ask in Alcoholics anonymous and there's so much that i did not know when i got here things i was supposed to do or what i didn't want to do so if anybody does have anything they want to talk about or share or ask me just reach a hand i'll keep them up here but uh it's it's really important to feel free this, this, yeah, go ahead. Bob, I feel so lucky to get to hear your story tonight. Cause I got to hear you share many times on Saturday mornings. And my question, 45 years is a long time to be sober. I was, I think I did the math right. You've now been a lot, you've doubled the age that you were when you quit drinking. If I do that, I'll be close to 100 years old. But <laughs> 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 I'm always going to remember you. But my question in those 45 years, did you ever go through a time where you struggled with your sobriety? Where you went through a darkness where you questioned, why am I doing this? Or maybe, maybe I don't have to do this. And how did you get through it if you did Can I be really honest with you? No. Mm -hmm. I, I, I fell right into this program. And, and I have been here, now that uh, no means to alcohol. I've never wanted to drink since I've been here. The, 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 want to, to, the desire to stop drinking has been removed from me. Now, have daily problems and situations been removed? Hell no. But I've got you guys and the steps to work through them. You know, it, it's it's such basic, fundamental instructions that it, it's 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 so basic as it, it fly it flew over my head. It is so simple. These these steps, these traditions, simple but very very strong. Does does that make any sense to you? Great answer. Thank you. Yes.
2: So, do you advise a newcomer like me? Like, for me, for instance, I have like 49 days um, to just pretty much just completely dive into the steps. And just to kind of build off what you were just earlier asked, because for me, I have been struggling um, with like the desire to drink and stuff like that. For me, that's a, it's, it's really hard, especially since I went to rehab and I came out and shit with my family was just got awful I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And with my kid and everything it was actually better before when I was actively drinking than it is now. Um, so what is your advice for someone? Well
0: for me the more you dig in into these steps and traditions the better off you're going to be. Do you have a sponsor? Yes. Good. Talk to her about this if you haven't already which I'm sure you've mentioned. some Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's just freaking hard and you're going to have to work through it. Yeah. And, and what you do when you have that situation, if you have to call your sponsor four or five times a day, that's fine. Or other people. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you keep contact with another recovering person in Alcoholics Anonymous. And you stay away from the booze. If you think you're going to drink, you, sc- you come in here, you scream and yell about it. And let everybody know. And they're going to come hug you, whether you like that hug or not. <laughs> and they're going to help you through that. But we don't have to drink through this stuff. Yeah. I, I, I was really, really lucky. I didn't have a lot of that pain like you. I had a lot of pain, but not like you are going through. And I understand how, how difficult that is. But I cannot cave into it. Right. I've got to keep asking my God, please help me. Please help me through this hour. Please help me through this five minutes. You know, sometimes it's just, just, uh, you know, trudging through it and, but don't break down. Don't, don't, uh, don't drink. If you drink, it's the only thing it's going to do is make it worse and you may not ever get sober and you may die and your kids won't have a mother. You know, That's sort of threatening to say that to you, but I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a jerk. <laughs> it is, it's absolutely true, so thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. I have a question. Yes?
2: Um, so you said that um, you went to jail after a few DWIs and they offer you prison or alcohol anonymous. Had you before been to alcohol Anonymous at all, or was that like your first? No. Worst? No, that's the first time. Oh really, that was the first First time?
0: time. I used to live in San Jose and commute to San Francisco. And I'd see these cars on the freeway. Uh, live and let live, or whether, you know how I'm saying. I was wondering where the fuck are those things coming from, you know. Yeah. So no, I'd never been to AA before. So I I was I was really lucky. Yeah. I think subconsciously, and I really believe this. I think subconsciously, I wanted to drink. I mean, stop drinking, but I didn't know how. And the court got me here, and you guys showed me how not to. That was oh God, so. So lucky. Who the hell that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi John. Uh, is there like uh, is there an origin story to your uh, to give a somewhat uh, reputation for your say, opening line of
2: uh, oh, you'd yeah. like to welcome any newcomers or anybody relatively new AA that you have to drink to the Drink a drink one day at a time if you want to, even if you want to.
0: Is there an origin story to that? I heard it from somebody else. <laughs> no, I'm no, sure. No. I don't know where it came from. I, we hear everything from somebody else. We. I, I, I don't... I'm not smart enough to <laughs> think of something like that. <laughs> I just For assumed what? you
1: heard it from, like, you know, Bill or Dr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fuck yeah, I
0: love his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, on, on that same note, I guess. Uh, are there any
2: like things that you say to yourself uh, when when you are going through those times when you get some kind
0: of reprieve? When I'm going through a tough time. I, I ask to I ask for God for help. I get on my knees and pray to God. I pick up the phone. I call my sponsor or call somebody else. I do not try to go through things like that by myself. That's just that's just uh, for me. It's you're asking for trouble. I'm not smart enough to figure stuff out by myself, and I don't mean that to be a negative thing. It's just a fact. I need I need input from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you come into
2: uh, AA like with a relationship with God already, or how was your like how how uh, did your spiritual experience? Okay, I will
0: tell you what it was. Uh, I was uh, I'm I'm Catholic, born Catholic, went to a pro-care school through the fifth grade. or Henry Junior High opened up, and the first year they were open, they had the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, so I went there. And I. I, you know, I had to do things through going to parochial school that were involved with the church and stuff like that. So I always believed in God, that there was a God, but it wasn't the same God that we have here, if that makes any sense to you. This God here gives me the freedom and the strength to live each day without drinking and or hurting myself or hurting somebody else. My God today, my God is a loving God. And to be frank with you, that the God that I knew back then was, uh, does uh, that make any sense? It just wasn't uh, what I really, really thought was God. Yeah.
2: I have, like, three, three quick questions. One, what year did you
0: get sober? 19, uh, what year is it? Uh, you know, I was thirty six, gee, So in the, so
2: the seventies. Did you ever struggle with outside issues, other than just alcohol?
0: No, I never used drugs, okay. and I'll tell you why. I already knew I was hooked on booze, and I was scared to death to use drugs. I was scared to death what happened to me. So, and that, that's that's the reason I never used
2: drugs. So in your forty-five years, were you, um, did you get to meet? Did you have the opportunity to get sober with other gay men?
0: Yes, yes. And
2: um, did you have friends that were gay, that got sober, that struggled with drugs? Yes. And, and from what you witnessed them getting sober, like, did you notice there was a because I, I mean, alcohol isn't my main thing. Okay. Like, um, uh, I struggle with drugs too. Yeah. And I'm a gay man and um it's been hard and so i guess in your 45 years of experience like what have you seen that has worked in your friends that were gay and also had trouble with outside issues
0: well uh, do, do you know what, what is, i can't think of the name of the big gay group um, don't um,
2: no because um it's uh too sexual for me so
0: well Find, if you, if you want to talk to me after me, I'll give you my number. I'll take you out there and I'll introduce you to some people I know that I understand exactly what you're saying. They're like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> a newcomer. <laughs> And we we can't have that. Would that just what? How do you laugh, Brad? <laughs> 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 that is a very serious situation, and and you need sobriety. You don't need somebody hitting on your ass. And uh, I tell you, I'll be I'll be more than happy to go out there with you. Uh, Sunday meeting, I think, is at eleven. It's eleven. At yeah. eleven or 1130? eleven thirty? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. It's not.
2: I mean, we'll talk. about it.
0: Yeah, we'll talk, I can more than help you. Glad to have you, yes?
2: What has been the greatest gift from your recovery?
0: Sobriety. And, and my, my, my gift of having a, a, a higher power who I choose to call God. Uh, I believed in God before, but it's a different God now. And it's a, it's a loving, caring God for me. Anybody else? What do you want to say, you got, got one minute?
1: I'll close it out by saying that, you know, we all come across different types of people in these rooms, but we all have the same problem. Um, so it doesn't really matter how old you are, how long you've been sober, how many times you've relapsed, um, what different medications you've used to solve your problems. Um, we come at it from the same place. And it really truly is one of the most amazing gifts in the world that we have this organization to to fall back on and to find friendship and help each other out with, it's crazy to me how it is the unsung hero of humanity. And it's people like you, Bob, that actually make me feel like it's worth it. You know, if I may, if I get forty five years, much like Alan, although I'm a lot younger, I'm still 96. you know, so, you know, it's like and I got I got sober at fifty, you know, so it, it happened it's, it's it's for anybody. And you show that and I do appreciate why you say what you say in every meeting and the, the consistent message that you give and um, you're you're not you're not an old timer that is hateful and that is harsh <laughs> and that is not willing to um, listen and change, you adapt with it and that makes a difference for the people around you. So thank you.
0: Thank and you. I love you for that. So. Thank you. Thank you everybody. Thank you. Everybody. <laughs>